Welcome back to the program. Uh, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and I am with Father Jeff Lewis and Father Kurt Nagel. And Father Nagel is going to lead us with a scripture reading and a prayer. I'd like to begin with uh, Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 12. When he saw the crowds, Jesus went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Thus they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Gracious God, we ask your blessings upon us this day that we might truly be blessed um, in all of those ways that your Son proclaimed to us in this great Sermon on the Mount, that we might, in this halfway period of Lent, continue to focus upon conversion and the grace that you give us, especially during this next hour as we share thoughts and words with those who have listened, are listening, and we ask these petitions through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Nagel. So uh, we today are going to be digging into the Beatitudes um, preached by Jesus in the Great Sermon on the Mount. And we're doing so because this week, later on in this week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we have the Spring share here at Sacred Heart Radio. And um, the book that's going to be given away as part of the, the gifts uh, expressing gratitude for, for donors is called Kingdom of Happiness, and it's Living the Beatitudes in Everyday Life. And so I had this divine inspiration coming through Ron Belter, the <laughs> president and general manager of Sacred Heart Radio, to, that, uh, hey, wait a minute. Actually, he didn't do it, but I'll, I'm giving him credit. Father <laughs> Lewis, is that, is, is that a lie? Is that is actually lying if I... It's an inspiration. I think Ron did inspire you. Indirectly? Indirectly. So if there's a background inspiration indirectly, then I can say that when mm -hmm. I, in my teasing voice without actually falling into a sin against the Eighth Commandment. Thank you, Lord. Good. I think I'm getting a very sensitized conscience being lent and right. all that. Yeah, right. Father Dago's like, right, fine. Well, nobody ever <laughs> believed you, though, either. <laughs> this is terrible. Let's, let's stay on track here. <laughs> so coming up Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday are really important programs during the life of Sacred Heart Radio. It's, it, it's beautiful and important because not only will you get uh, 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 the major part of the day being filled with programming, like you typically do, folks that are listening right now, but you'll also have opportunities to hear testimonies and amazing stories oh. about the way in which Sacred Heart Radio is bearing fruit, touching people's lives, helping to equip, inspire, encourage, and um, help them live their Catholic faith more in a more vibrant and vital way today. That's a really powerful thing because we can turn on the radio and hear a um, hear a program, but we don't realize the way that that program is impacting, impressing itself into the minds and hearts and lives of those who listen. And so when you get a glimpse of that through the testimonies of, of folks that they get to spread throughout the day, I think that's just so very powerful. So I, I, let me just ask you, good fathers, just yeah, before we dive into the Beatitudes, the um, how often do you hear or have someone come up to you and say, Father, I heard you on the radio. Father, I can't tell you, that was such a blessed program, or this or that. And they mentioned the way in which you realize, wow, there are a lot of folks listening to Sacred Heart Radio, and they're really listening. I mean, they're, they are receiving what is being given. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, Father, you're nodding, Father Lewis. Well, I probably get comments of that sort um, maybe a couple of times a Sunday, um, sometimes from the same people who I know are regular listeners. And, um, th you know, that they continue to listen tells me that they're, that they're drawing fruit from it. I'm thinking a particular story, though. I think it was soon after I uh, joined you on this particular program um, that uh, a family, I think they live outside of Moses Lake, um, reached out to us um, because they had a member of the family that needed to go to, um, I think, Sacred Heart Medical Center here in Spokane for some kind of treatment. And 
and uh, felt like they had gotten to know more or less, you know, at least my, my voice and some of my thoughts on things, I guess, and thought that they had a, felt like they had something of a kinship and asked if I might meet them there for anointing of the sick before this treatment began. And so that's a, a pretty powerful fruit, I guess, that the, you know, their connection with the Sacred Heart Radio has, has led them to ask me to come and provide that sacrament for them because they don't know any priests here. They're not from here. They're from Moses Lake. So um, that's a particular story I can think of that comes to mind. That's really powerful, right? Yeah. The Lord used that to connect you at an incredibly important part moment in, in the life of that person. Yeah. That's really powerful. Yeah. How about you, Father Nagel? I, I wouldn't say it's every Sunday, but I, I know that recently, um, I, again, it was probably a couple of weeks ago at St. Monica's on Mercer Island, there were, I think, two people came up and um, they, they do mention, so it's, it's fairly regular that somebody would say, hey, I heard you on the radio. Um, or I, I'm, you know, something along those lines. But I also have a story uh, on March 12th, Sunday, March 12th, I was doing, I was giving a RCIA class at Sacred Heart in Bellevue. And we were going around talking about, you know, just what, uh, I was talking actually with this couple who were in the, in the RCIA and uh, coming into the church probably, uh, coming Easter. And I found out that she, the, the wife, was very much, um, influenced and impacted by, again, Sacred Heart Radio. She would listen in, and that was the way she got to know Catholicism and ended up in the RCIA. So I was just thinking that's, you know, again, just a little over a week ago, but here's somebody who has definitely been impacted by the... Now, she didn't say by me. She said by... um, Maybe it was you, Tom, but just the whole... whole, She just always had the, the radio on the dial. So I thought that was good. Well, and, and this is where it's probably not fair for the two of you, because um, since I'm on every day, I get a lot more feedback, and it, it comes every single week, I get several. And it, whether it's a text, an email, or I just see them at church, people will talk about um, the impact of Sacred Heart Radio and of the programming. Um, and they, they love you guys. They, lo- they love you fathers. Right. You guys. You're not guys. You're, fa- you're fathers. You're our holy priests. People will let... If I say... If I call you guys... I'll get a, I'll get a text or an email saying they're priests. But in this context, I think you could I think you could say guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with it. Thank you, Father. So please do not send me that email, yeah, folks. Right? Give Tom a Dial little bit of a break. He, he can't help a lot a of what bit he of says. A break. But when I hear things like people have heard Carrie and my story, and we share pretty vulnerably. Um, about the challenges we faced and then the actions we took and that landed us over here. Um, there are, I don't know how many dozen families that have made the decision to uproot and make the move. Mm. And and I, we never talked to them, but they're over here and they're like, we heard your story. We discerned, we came over, we made the decision and we are so very grateful to God that we heard and took action. And other families that, who didn't, like have the, the the call or the circumstances to be able to move, but said, here's what we did to be more intentional and um, more uh, significantly invested in protecting, nurturing, and providing our, our kids, leading our kids along the path of faith. And I get those all the time. And that, that makes such a difference, yeah. you know, when I hear that kind of story. So Praise be to God for Sacred Heart Radio, right? Mm-hmm. For the gift that it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, so, yeah, folks, as you're listening in, you're going to get to hear more of those stories Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but you'll get to hear great programming along the way. So please tune in. It's These aren't days to, to skip, but these are days to listen and, and even discern as part of your Lenten uh, call to pray fast and give alms. Extend yourself in love by sharing the wealth that God has placed in your hands. That Sacred Heart Radio is listener-supported. It's listener-supported. And so if you're listeners, can you become a supporter? We did a, uh, an anecdotal uh, outreach and, and found out how many folks, I tried to get a sense of how many folks are listening and then how many folks are giving. And do you know what our percentage was? No. Nope. I would guess uh, 25 30%. 2%. 2%? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Only about 2% of folks who, who are actually listening ever step over that boundary and become uh, a, a supporter. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we'd love to, I just said, if we could make 2%, 3%, we would never need to have another share yeah. I mean, literally, if you could literally increase by 50%, the number of folks who are giving, 
it would be amazing the impact that it would have on Sacred Heart Radio. Or so, maybe it could spread more. You could well, exactly. you, you put up more stations and go wider. That's what Ron is nodding at. Ron yeah. is thinking because he doesn't get in his car and drive out to Spokane and Yakima and Wenatchee and all this other place. Absolutely. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could go further south down to Vancouver? We could go further north up to Bellingham if we could, again, spread the net even more widely. Mm -hmm. Certainly the state of Washington needs it. Mm -hmm. So that's what happens through extraordinary acts of, of people being good stewards, extraordinary acts of stewardship. It's, it's all God's. Everything that we have is God's. Why not? Put it into God's hands and say, "What do you want? What do you want me to do with it?" Yeah. So call right now one eight hundred nine four. Hold on, hold on. Sorry, sorry. That's Wednesday, folks. I'll be on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday live with Ron. So it's the Ron and Tom show, nice. seven thirty to nine. Uh, Monday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then back in the afternoon as well, one thirty to three, supporting the the work of the Sherathon. So I'm excited about that. All right. Let's dive into the Beatitudes, and uh, I'm going to begin with a quote from the Catechism, just to, to frame it, just to frame it, and then we can dive into each of these Beatitudes, because I'm super confident we'll get through all eight in the time <laughs> that we have. Okay, so the Beatitudes respond to the natural desire for happiness, okay? This desire is there of divine origin. God's placed it in the human heart in order to draw man to the one who alone can fulfill it. And then, okay, so that makes sense, right? Beatitudes means happy or blessed are those. Um, it, it's a response to that, but here's the, here's the bigger thing, and this is that's paragraph 1718. 1719 says, the Beatitudes reveal the goal of human existence, the ultimate end of human acts. God calls us to his own Beatitude. So the Beatitudes aren't simply... Uh, a map out of human happiness. They're a map out of the elevation of the human desire for happiness to the divine level. It's what God's own happiness looks like when it's enfleshed in human existence. And I think that's a really important context for us because what we're going to be reading about in the Beatitudes is not naturally attractive, mm -hmm. but somehow is supernaturally fulfilling. So there's my introduction to the Beatitudes. Is that okay, Father Lewis? Yeah. That'll work. That'll work. All right. <laughs> it's great. a lofty goal. It's a lofty goal. Yeah. And it's imprinted in our in our lives. And it's the beginning of the, the Sermon on the Mount. So um, any overarching comments about the Beatitudes in either one of your own spiritual life, your own as, as like sort of points of reflection, or if I said to you, is there one beatitude you're drawn to more than the others? It'd be really interesting to hear. So I'm going to start with you, Father Nagel. In terms of if there's one that's... Or one it, that you have more like, more like, yeah, like you're, you're attracted to it. Like, blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity was drawn to blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. That was, that was hers. So I, is there one that you are drawn to and like connect to more fully? There's definitely one for me. Um, is there one for you and, and is, is, do you use these ever as like pegs in, in your own sense of, am I living the gospel? Let me look to the Beatitudes. You know, I, I can't say that in, in some sort of regular way that they're a part of my prayer, uh, regime, so to speak, or, uh, the structure that I, um, I use for prayer. Uh, so I don't think that's the case. I do think the one that I've meditated on in, in, have certainly seen work uh, well is just the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, so for me, maybe it's just because it's the first one, but I don't, I don't think so. I think it's something that's just that it's an idea of simplicity and detachment. Um, again, there's a, a lot of the Carmelite idea there of detachment. And I think that, so it's, it starts things off well in the sense of, we, you were talking before about the fact that this is the um, the goal of human existence because it sums up, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So they, that kind of wraps the whole thing up right at the beginning. Um, the other the other beatitudes will have other, you know, again consequences, but that that sort of does it all, um, and it kind of finishes with those who are persecuted as well for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
But I think that that idea of det- a detachment is is part of my spiritual life. Trying to do that, not perfectly, but by any means, in fact, and, and Lent, in fact, is a great uh, test of that. But I I do think that's one that I've most most often have applied to my spiritual life in terms of uh, working on it and consciously striving for it. Nice, that's excellent. And we're going to come back to that first one in in a moment. Unless Father uh, Lewis, you say, "Oh yeah, that's mine too." Then we'll be just diving right on in. <laughs> it is mine too. But um, I was ready to just in in all of them together. Um, the uh, catechism quote that you said, um, basically, I, th- I think that second quote from the catechism, you can summarize that these are the Beatitudes in total are are like a self-portrait of Jesus. And uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, not blessed are those who who do the the poverty thing. It's not it, it's not uh, focused. It's not drawing our attention to the actions and the doings of the human person. But um, but the being of the human of the human of the being of the human person the human condition, and so um, I've used this and encouraged folks to use this as um, a really refined examination of conscience um, when they're really trying to prepare for a deep dive of of really scouring the, the soul as it were to grow in faith and to receive graces. Of course, to focus on the doings because that's where the sin resides. So the sins of commission. Um, the Ten Commandments, the sins of omission, the parable of the sheep and the goats. But when people are ready for a deeper dive, like, I'm, I think I'm doing these things, what more do I lack? Let's look at the being. How are you being more conformed to the person of Jesus Christ? And what better place to start looking at that than this? So you might feel like you've got detachment, you give alms and so on, but could you honestly say to yourself, I am poor in spirit, I am poor in spirit? And if you can't honestly say that, then then what's the invitation God is offering your way to take that next step forward? Um, in particular, beatitude. I was gonna. I was thinking much the same thing as Father Nago on the poor in spirit. But I'm lately also thinking of blessed are those who uh, who they are are blessed are they who mourn for they will be comforted. And I note that after the first one, the um, the, the reward that comes to each of those the blesseds for you know fill in the blank. They're all a forward-looking, sometime in the future, promise. So those who mourn, you're not necessarily comforted now, um, but you will be comforted you know, soon, please God. And so what are our occasions for mourning? Mourning for, um, mourning for um, the sins we've committed or the sins of others, mourning for just the physical conditions of our life, whether it's just the physical pain or inconveniences or whatever. There's, a, there's reasons why we mourn, and we may not receive the comfort that we want this side of the veil, but that's not the promise. The promise is we will. If we know how to mourn in a way that brings us into greater conformity with Christ, then the perfect conformity of Christ is to be with him, body and soul in heaven. And so that's the promise, and we will have that comfort in heaven. So I've been thinking about that. So, Father, you've just covered the first two for us. Nice. Thank you for that. I was just asking for an identification of one of the Beatitudes, and you give this beautiful reflection on two of them. That's awesome. All right, we're up against a break. When we come back, more Sound Insight. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Carnum with Father Jeff Lewis and Father Kurt Nagel. We're talking about the Beatitudes. Uh, I'll just mention my, my favorite is the first one, uh, Blessed are the Poor in Spirit. And I think it's the entry point one. It's the entry point one. And you use the term detachment, Father, when you think about um, what does poor in spirit mean, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so there's two ways of falling off the horse. One is to identify it just in a purely material way. Um, and so blessed are the poor, physically, materially poor. And that's a misunderstanding. And then the other is blessed are the poor in spirit, kind of wiping away the idea that it has any connection at all to the way that we live our lives. And so both of those are mistakes. But then what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Because there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake in understanding this. What's at stake? The kingdom of heaven. That's like living in the realm of God, living under his protective care, his provision, his guidance, 
right? That's, that's everything. That's everything. And so if we want to go through the door to get into the realm of God, it's poverty of spirit. And so how do you define the reality of poverty of spirit? You use the word uh, detachment, Father Nagel, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not cornering you in that. That's very much that's the tradition of the, of the Carmelites. Uh, I would use the word desperation. Uh, I would use the word holy desperation. I've mm-hmm. got nothing. Mm-hmm. So poverty of spirit is when we encounter at an existential level that I've got nothing. I've got nothing, but in that experience, that fundamental reality of my own incapacity, inability, in my experience of having complete powerlessness before what it is I'm facing, I turn to God. Mm-hmm. That's poverty of spirit. So that's how I would say it. And I think that it's, for me, so very important because it is so utterly somehow overlooked, not talked about and avoided. I, I get why people would avoid it, but boy, I, it should be emphasized more fully because I think it's what holds back so many Catholics from experiencing a richer, uh, more vibrant um, uh, reality of God's kingdom is that they are unwilling or unable or unbeknownst to them called to experience their utter incapacity. And so they avoid what they ought to seek or at least embrace. Yeah. I think that's a, a, a deeper understanding than what I just articulated. And so in some ways, blessed are the powerless, um, yeah. Yeah. for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that would be an interesting, uh, you know, again, it's not, I'm not saying it's the actual translation, but, but I think that is a good concept for people to say that I, yeah, God is in control. Those without control, without power, without ability to, um, to do anything. So I, th- I think that that's, it gets away from simply the material, but um, but it, but it, but it, the material is part of it in a sense. I can't I can't even I can't even control that. So, know, another word that maybe that can de- describe this uh, maybe as another aspect is um, we use detachment, we use powerlessness, uh, desperation, maybe uh, abandonment, so that um, uh, we recognize that it's um, it's the vine and the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. And so if we focused on just you can do nothing, where powerlessness, there's powerlessness that's, that's there, um, we can, uh, if we don't see the other part of that, of that phrase, it can lead us to uh, a despairing desperation. But what is the other part of that phrase is without me. So we have to abandon ourselves, the abandonment of, of I offer everything, myself, everything that I am, everything that will, I can do or nothing that I can do. I offer it to the Lord. I'm reminded also of St. Faustina in her diary. She talks about how really, you know, the only, the only things that she can claim as truly her own are her own sins and her brokenness, her poor choices in life, because those are what she has owned as her own property, exclusive property, be, because everything else is pure gift from God. But those things are her rejection of the gift, and so she's left with this refuse. But that perfect abandonment is an aspect of, um, of poverty and spirit, I think. Absolutely. Well, in fact, uh, you pointed out something that I... Um, think is a uh, a gentle critique of Father John Ricardo in his Acts 29, and he has those four parts, mm-hmm. right? He talks about the uh, embracing of despair, right, in his um, second step yeah. of, of the four steps. And it's interesting because I had talked to him a few years ago about holy desperation or praiseworthy desperation, and he took it and he ran with it as the word despair. Mm. And I'm like, no, 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 despair is desperation without God. And, but if you have desperation towards God, then that's a praiseworthy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, in our tradition, it's called resignation, mm-hmm. right? So resignation is not giving up, it's giving over. Yeah. And I think that despair is just giving up. Mm-hmm. Des- uh, holy desperation is giving over, right? That holy resignation. Yeah. As hope. So I think that, I'm sorry, Godfather? It has hope. There's, yeah. It, yeah. You know, despair is hopelessness. Yes. Yes, amen. So uh, that's blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I want to encourage folks that when you come into contact with situations in your life where you feel powerless, you come into contact with relational challenges, personal challenges, financial challenges, societal challenges, and you experience powerlessness, the Lord is offering you a gift there. 
blessed are you, mm-hmm. right? We flee what the first beatitude says is a blessing. The unveiling of the powerlessness that's at the core of our being, that's the doorway to God's power. It's when I'm weak, that I'm strong. Second yeah. Corinthians 12. Yeah. All right, there we go. Amen. There's my little homily, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Second beatitude, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Father Lewis, you already shared beautifully about the concept of mourning, and I was going to ask that question, and you yeah. anticipated it. And that is, <laughs> What does it mean to mourn, and, and what does it mean to be comforted? So, Father Nagel, what about you and the second beatitude? Yes, I I guess I, again I think I'm struggling. I think Father Lewis did a much better job, but but I do think the that ideal for me. I guess I put it in terms of uh, the idea of feeling and suffering with compassion. Um, the idea. So the mourning is not necessarily just about my loss, but the the, the suffering of others. Um, and to if to be able to do that, I that's how I've, I've made sense of it. Um, that now again, that's sometimes directed. You know, you think in directing towards others, and there's an element here of this is about me too, and my own experience of suffering with me and ex- experiencing that. Um, I again, the idea of seeing this in terms of Jesus, because all the, these are all about Him too. The idea of Him suffering and and mourning the sins of us. Um, whether it's the city of Jerusalem that didn't know its savior, or um, again the rich young man who went away, um, that idea of there's there's an element of that perhaps. But so for me, I guess it, I've always assumed it. Just to go back to it, that this is for something how I I'm 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 pain and I'm suffering because of the the fallen state of the world and the other people that are in it. Um, but that I can unite that again with Christ and recognizing that he, no matter what the morning is, um, that it's been redeemed by Christ. And therefore, to see it in those eyes, that would be the way I would approach it. So, Father, I think uh, somehow you uh, you must have been next to me at Mass this morning because I, um, I was praying through the Our Father and just reflecting on that it begins with the word hour. Mm-hmm. And you brought up very powerfully the sense of compassion, solidarity, that you're mourning over something that might not have anything to do specifically and concretely with you. It has mm-hmm. to do with others. And I was reflecting in the in the Lord's Prayer, in the Our Father, on forgive us our trespasses. I, I'm not asking forgive us my trespasses. And I begin to think about that, and I'm thinking... How often am I coming before the Lord to ask forgiveness for other people's sins and deliver us from evil? It's so easy for me to look at the one who sins against me, someone who's sinning against the church, someone who's sinning against humanity or against all that is that is good in God's creation, to just simply label them an enemy that has nothing to do with me and that has everything to do with the devil. That's much more convenient than to somehow say, I'm with them. I am implicated in their situation. I am concerned about their salvation. And therefore, I ought to be mourning what we are in rather than saying, Lord, crush the enemy over there because they're doing bad things. I think that's interesting. I don't know if I've thought about that in terms of... I, well, let's put this on. I think when we pray our trespasses, forgive us our trespasses. It can be at least thinking, we all are doing this for ourselves, but so this is a common experience that we're each asking for forgiveness for our sins, as opposed to what you just said, um, we're asking for forgiveness for the totality of sin, uh, not just mine, but but others, and and praying for their forgiveness too. So I I think that's a good insight in terms of my own um, praying of that prayer. Well, and it continues. Uh, you could do the same thing with the Hail Mary, yeah. right? Um, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Mm-hmm. Like, whose death are we praying for our? There's people dying in this hour, right? Mm-hmm. And, and do we have them in mind when we pray the rosary? Probably not. You know, and same thing with the, the, the Fatima prayer at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Anyways, I, I'll stop. Uh, <laughs> did you want to say anything else, Father Lewis? Or we're moving on to hungering and th- uh, for the meek. You ready for the meek? Let's do it. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I find that an interesting contrast because when you think of like a, a meek person, they're 
they're not going to put themselves over forward, you know, the stereotype, they're not going to be assertive. And so they're certainly not going to be the conquering hero looking to conquer a land. But if you're meek, you're going to inherit the land. And so that which may be, you know, you're by disposition never going to even strive to do is your reward anyway. And that's the first thing that comes to mind that's kind of a shallow thing. But the other connection I think of too is, you know, of all of these, um, of all of these fo- uh, words here, to dis- the, the, the blessed are, um, I wonder if, it would be an interesting Bible study, I wonder if meek is the only one that Jesus applies to himself explicitly. Hmm. Um, he says, you know, my yoke is sweet, you know, come to me, I'm meek and humble of heart. And, um, and so I, I wonder if that specifically is near and dear to Jesus's personal heart, um, m- maybe in some, ex- in some measure more than the others, because of that self-application, that specific word to himself. And how was he meek? He was not about to go. He wasn't going to conquer Jerusalem. He came to to try to convince souls, you know, to con- a conversion. You know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and uh, a bruised reed he will not break, and you know, and all that. So, so um, you know, if we are if we are meek, but it's a holy meekness. We're we're certainly assertive. We're certainly self confident, but we're not about to use that as a as a bludgeon to force people into conformity. But but it's a gentle invitation to invite them into something more. And um, anyway, so I was thinking of those kind of things. Meek is definitely self-applied to Jesus. I'm just kind of musing on that. Thank you. Father Nagel. Yeah, I guess I was, yeah, I was, I was thinking along the same terms in terms of Matthew 11 there, the uh, learn from me, I'm um, meek and humble of heart. So I, I kind of put those two together in some ways. This is the humility beatitude for me. And the idea of meek, meek has a, difficult translation translation problem for lots of people i think the idea of humble of heart probably is is easy and, and it's it's about jesus here clearly uh, blessed are those who are humble like jesus and and therefore jesus is the heir and so the idea of inheriting the earth means that you're the heir um just like again in some of his parables he talks about the heir um of, and he is himself the uh, again, the son of the father. So again, uh, being humble of heart, we we identify with and we mirror Christ, and and the father looks on us in love as his beloved son's daughters, the heirs of his kingdom. And so again, if, going back to the humility piece, just saying, okay, um, to be humble of heart is going to make us like Jesus, the uh, the heir to heaven. Amen. Uh, it's funny. Uh, both you fathers went right to Jesus when you saw that word meek. I've never done that before reading this. So thank you. That is that is that really is eye opening for me uh, to be able to say that is that intimately connects me to Jesus. If I pursue blessed are the meek. So what I was taught about the word meek is that in the Middle Ages, as they developed the like the tree of virtues, right? The tree of life was this tree of virtues. That meekness was down close to the center of the of the trunk. It was a critical virtue, and what it was was docility. Mm-hmm. It was the willingness to be led. It was availability and receptivity to be moved by God, and so that's a fundamental disposition in the spiritual life. Meekness is availability, docility, radical receptivity to the move of God, and. Uh, I also thought of the fourth Lateran Council. Of course, you both of you fathers did as well, <laughs> where it says for all continuity that exists between the natural and the supernatural realm, there's a greater discontinuity. Now, what does that mean? Um, when we think about the goal here, which is the earth, somehow owning and having possession of the earth, the natural way to get there, the way that would be continuous with our natural thinking is what you said, Father Lewis, to conquer it. Mm-hmm. You know, blessed are the conquerors, the strong and courageous, the unafraid to take initiative and go after it because you're going to get there. You're going to get the earth. And that is a natural way to achieve, let's call it happiness, if you want to say the natural happiness involved in, in having possession of this wealth comes from your natural conquering ability, your willingness to lead. Well, that's discontinuous. If you go to the supernatural realm, that all gets surrendered to the willingness to be led into uh, the the possession of wealth that you, guess what? You didn't conquer, you inherited. Mm -hmm. It was given to you as a gift. And so 
that theme of docility connected to the richness of God gets summed up for me as, why are you striving so hard to achieve what I'm, re I'm ready and waiting to give you as a gift? Why do you strive so hard to achieve what I'm willing to give you as a gift? And that's the difference between natural assertiveness and the willingness to be led into the richness of God. So I think that that one is the most, almost the most paradoxical mm -hmm. for the, let's call it the natural human spirit of Americans, mm -hmm. it, which is the conquer versus be led into. Or earn. You conquer, earn. but also yeah. earn. I think Americans are, yeah, we, we, we conquer certainly, but I, I think that the idea that you know, I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm going to have a startup. Um, I'm going to earn it with my own hard work. Yes. Earn and deserve. Right. Very good. I love that, Father. So I think that that's a great, um, that's a great challenge for folks uh, who are listening to, if we're going to live out blessed are the meek, they shall let, let the Lord bless you. Let the Lord bless you. All right. We're up against a break. We're going to bless you with a break. When we come back, more sound insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kernan with, again, Father Lewis and Father Nagel, and we're talking about the Beatitudes. Number four, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And that's also sometimes, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for holiness, or righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And I think, is it your turn, Father Lewis? Oh, uh, no, is it Father Nagel. Father Nagel. Here's the, I guess, the, the right kind of striving. Um, is for me, it, there's, you know, when you say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, um, I, I do think in terms of, okay, here, here is something I'm, um, I don't know, there's, it, 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 I, I, I would hear of you as desperation, or at least, um, what, 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 I'm trying to think of a word that's on the tip of my tongue. Um, I can't, I guess I'll move on from it, but, um, I do hear, see here the act of looking for the, I guess the, the search for um, that I'm um, again maybe again the desperate idea. I, I've thought of this in terms of justice too, um, in terms of where it is, you know, you eventually we get to the peacemakers. But I see this in terms of um, Jesus' own desire for justice. Um, it's not simply mercy, though we'll get to mercy as well. But there's this idea that. Um, that we need to look out for what others are do, and that this is again part of what I think of in terms of this beatitude, that I am looking for and actively sacrificing for, uh, hungering, thirsting for, um, the justice of again those, the world and those who who are in it. This is an interesting beatitude for me because of just how. Uh, visual and, and uh, physical, the connotations are hunger and thirst. And interestingly enough, what was coming to mind was uh, the old 80s sitcom Cheers and the character Norm. And whenever he stepped into the bar, like he was moving everyone out of his way. He was going to his bar stool and everyone crowd Norm and he says some pithy thing and then he sits down and the beer is right in front of him. He was, whatever happened at work that day, he was thirsty for beer and no one was going to stop him. And, uh, you know, if I take a long hike in the hot sun in the summer or something like that, you know, and I get, I, I run out of water on the hike. I'm getting back to the rectory. I'm, I'm moving everyone out of the way. I'm going straight to that. Not even inside. I can't be bothered with keys. I'm going straight to the hose and I'm getting water. And, um, imagine if we had that kind of hunger and thirst for holiness that I am, I am moving things out of the way. These things are, are blocking me from, from pursuing holiness and, uh, and receiving that gift of holiness that the Lord wants to offer me. If we would be that uh, deliberate and, you know, even like forceful about it, you know, kind of the opposite of meekness, I guess. But, uh, you know, out of the way, I'm, I'm called to holiness. Now, don't, no, don't nobody stop me. And um, if we have that kind of, you know, spiritual urge that we have a physical urge when we are that hungry and thirsty, um, just, just what kind of um, great, great leaps forward in, in growing in virtue and pursuing of holiness uh, we, we would be blessed with um, be, because of that hunger and that would be satisfied. So that's what was coming to mind for me. I'm just going to not say anything. I just, I'm just <laughs> stung. Uh, I'm stung to the heart here. Uh, Carrie has a Bible study that she goes to on Wednesdays and they're reading Fire Within, Father Dubay's book, oh, yes. which is reflections on Teresa Vavala and John of the Cross. 
and she was covering the section on laxity. And it was just, it was what you said, Father Lewis. It's like, we don't advance in holiness because we're just lax. We just allow the flesh to predominate in a way that makes us slothful. And and what a sadness. I'll just, just stop there. That God, please make us famished for righteousness. Make us famished for living an upright life in your sight. Amen. All right, next, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, Father Lewis. Well, it's that Jesus would uh, use merciful and mercy in the same in the same kind of um, a one-two punch here. It's it's you know we pray in the Our Father, um, forgive us our sins as what as we forgive those who trespass against us, and so He turns it around on us, and so. Uh, the measure with which we measure will be measured out to us. I mean, he, he kind of references this in different ways, but in the same kind of uh, flip-flop of, um, of verbiage um, throughout. And so, blessed are the merciful where they've shown mercy. So if I'm not going to show mercy to others, that measure will be measured out to me. And it doesn't, I might ask God to show mercy to me, and he's going to wonder, well, I, I would. Why didn't you show mercy to those who wronged you? Because the measure that I measure will be measured out to you. And so, this one, in so many ways, is is the most convicting for me personally because it. I, I've been thinking about that more and more, especially the end of the Our Father that uh, forgives our trespasses. We forgive those trespass against us. And I've been thinking about this. I actually, preached at our school mass this week. Like, what does that actually mean? We got to remember what that means. That um, you know, we were, God is going to say, "I I noticed that you were not forgiving at all." Well, I'm giving you what you asked for. I'm going to forgive you your trespasses in the same measure. And so, you know, get ready, buddy boy, kind of a thing. So it's personally convicting for me. I got to check myself. Am I truly being merciful? I'm not just going along to get along, but actually in my heart, forgiving those people from my heart. Thank you. Father Nagel. I, I would guess I would concentrate on the second part of this beatitude. You know, the idea of how many of us really think we need the mercy um, do you look at the other ones, the consequences, the other one, kingdom of heaven, I'd love that. Do you want to be comforted? Sure. Do I, I, do I want to inherit the land? You bet. Um, do I want to be satisfied? Sure. Naturally, who doesn't? Do you want to be shown mercy? Well, only if I need it. And I think, again, it goes back to the idea of do we understand our relationship with God and, and our neighbors that that we're desperate for for mercy? I, I, I'm not sure we always do feel that we need mercy and so for that one i i do recognize it's kind of unique in the sense it is that sort of mirror image uh which is unlike the other beatitudes really um and it does remind me of you know again jesus elsewhere uh, do not be judged and you will not be judged um show mercy and you'll be shown mercy etc but i just think it's a call to recognize how good it really is what a great blessing it is that you're going to be shown mercy so do you recognize that that, that you even have that need so this is a this is probably the most difficult to understand. Mm. I would say it's um it's not paradoxical, it's proleptic. Mm. There we go. Not not prolific, proleptic. And and because people could think, okay, let me show mercy and then God will give me mercy. Well, the reality is you have no capacity to show mercy in a divine way. It's a supernatural act to show favor to someone who deserves the opposite. To forgive those who have hurt you and offended you. Uh, the catechism is clear. It says that we have no power not to feel or to forgive those who have offended us. It's the Holy Spirit who cleanses our hearts and gives us the capacity to do this. So it's we are powerless to show mercy. But the Lord's saying, you're not going to get any mercy until you show mercy. But guess what? It's impossible for you to show mercy. Well, wait a minute. I'm now kind of stuck. Well, unless prolepsis is at work here. So prolepsis is that something has been given. It exists, but in a hidden state. And you only realize that it's there when you act in accord with it. So for instance, so let's just apply it here. Okay, I'll stop being theological. <laughs> um, you have been given mercy. The Lord has given you mercy. It's like he's given you faith. Well, how do you know that faith is alive and not dead? Well, it works. Mm-hmm. You, how do you know that your faith is alive? Because it's working. If it's not working, guess what? The faith you have is actually dead. So do you have faith or don't you have faith if you're not working? Well, I do, but it's in a hidden state. Ah, prolepsis. It's there. 
it's in a hidden state, it's not functioning the way it ought to, that it would if, in fact, you were acting and living in accord with it. So let's apply it to mercy. You've been lavished in abundance of mercy beyond what you can imagine. You dwell within an ocean of mercy. But you know what? You're protecting yourself. You're, you're, you're putting yourself in a hard shell if you don't manifest that by living mercy to others, which will, guess what? Manifest the fact that the mercy that you're showing to others is a mercy that you've already obtained. Whew, that was a long answer. Does wow. that make sense, though? I think so, yeah. <laughs> you think so? You're I not think, so sure. Father so. Diggle, did it make sense to you? Yes, I, 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 I think I understand what you're talking about there in, in the sense of um, you, you, when you have this ability to be merciful, you should be it's awestruck, again, since you, you can't do it. And I think only God can do this. And I think that there's even a historical element here. How very strange it was when the, the the church came into existence in the first century A.D., and these people were merciful. Um, that was not a virtue in classical society. Um, mercy, you know, again, you took you you, t- you took care of your friends and you punished or killed your enemies, um, and that was just the way it is. That was justice. Yeah, it just this is this is the right way to do it. And so I think again, it's it's not until Christ comes. That this suddenly, you know, until God uh, manifests Himself and reveals Himself, that this is even seen as a possibility, let alone a possibility that something's good. Yes. Amen. All right, we're up against another break. When we come back, we're going to fly through the last four Beatitudes. Oh my goodness. Here we go. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. We are talking about the Beatitudes today, and we are now at Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We're going to limit ourselves just to you fathers. I'm not going to say anything. Oh. So you guys, you, you fathers, you guys, you fathers have a <laughs> minute each. Go. Blessed are the clean of heart or the pure of heart. Um, yeah, I guess the image that comes to mind, if, you know, I think some of the saints have written about this, that if we are to be a reflection of the glory of God, uh, we're not doing that too well if 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 our surface is is uh, besmirched with what have you, if it's just a gross, uh, you know, filthy mirror, we're not going to be reflecting too much. And so, um, and furthermore, if it's a window, I mean, I could, you know, I'm, I'm looking as I'm speaking out a window at Tom's uh, 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 house studio, and if this window were covered with with uh, smudges and things, I wouldn't be able to see the beauty of nature outside. So the cleaner that that is. The easier it is just to, to see God, and furthermore, the easier it is for others to see God dwelling in me. If you know, if I'm not pure of heart, I'm probably living in an impure way in various ways, and people are going to look and be like, "I don't think that's a godly person," and dismiss me as such. But if I'm pure of heart, then I can see God more clearly out there, and they can see God more clearly at work in me. Amen. It goes to the depths of the heart. Father Nagel, I'm going to move you forward. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I was, uh, you caught me off guard there. I, was I know you were ready in. to share profoundly <laughs> about the holiness. But that's, that's a nugget that will never be <laughs> never be heard by the rest of Washington State Catholic. All eternity gets to... <laughs> um, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called, called the children of God. I, I guess I from here, I just think of the the saints' attributes, whether it's Saint Martin or Saint um, Francis of Rome, or the, the idea of holiness uh, smooths over and reconciles, and I think that you know, that's just one of the characteristics of holiness is that uh, people the knots are untied and the the ways are calmed and the anger subsides. So I just see that. I guess I'm just saying it, it, that's the way it works, I, and you've seen it in the lives of saints and maybe in your own life as well. Um, that those who can reconcile, again, it's going back to Jesus. Um, he's the one that reconciled us to the Father and to one another. Amen. That's really beautiful. Father Lewis, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, in addition to this sounding like the bookend of these first eight, uh, with the reference to the kingdom of heaven, it also, because it also connects with the summary that we go from blessed are they, this disinterested, disinterested third person kind of perspective, to blessed are you who are when you are persecuted. And I, 
I find that that you know I've I already mentioned that the meek uh, the merciful is uh, most uh, convicting for me, but this one just in general is like the toughest for me because I'm I'm not feeling very blessed as I'm being you know thrown at with the, the slings and arrows of whatever. Um, I don't find that very you know it's it's in retrospect to me like okay I'm trying to you're be stealing more the last one here let's go to the I yeah. want to hear blessed are those persecuted for righteousness's sake not right well for- right and so per, you know blessed for for the righteousness sake for for the fruits of being a Christian pursuing mm-hmm. the holiness and things you know that's not a very popular thing so it, it is connected with the last one in that regard and um, I'm just not feeling blessed in that and I'm blessed are they well that's nice blessed are they oh no he turns around it's happening to me now you know mm-hmm. so there's kind of a one two punch those last two that is that is uh, very striking that um what should you expect if you pursue holiness in your life and, and you pursue to live an upright life not fame and, and applause and honoring no uh you're going to get persecuted that's what you should expect and that's divine happiness not human happiness so all right, last one, uh, Father Father Nagel. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. That they persecuted the prophets before you. I think that the idea is, what strikes me is my own, I, I tend to want to fight um, in terms of when I'm insulted or uh, persecuted, et cetera. And I, I do it thinking that it's, I'm, I'm doing the righteous thing in the sense of I'm gonna, I can think of I'm going to defend the church, I'm going to defend Christ, I'm going to defend the truth, et cetera, like this. Um, but what attitude do I take? I, is, do I say, hey, this is, this is what an opportunity. Um, so what a blessing this is. I think it's more like, hey, you hit me, I'm hitting you, hitting you back. It's kind of a pagan idea all too often for me. And so this idea that um, that this is a, a blessing and this is a gift and something to give thanks for, um, it's a challenge for me as well. But I think it's perfectly true. Again, I go back to the lives of the saints and I go, they lead me back to Jesus. Jesus blesses those who are, are and asks forgiveness for those who are crucifying him. Um, he's, he's someone who's willing to engage those who, again, he sees that this is part of the plan. Um, this is the way the kingdom's going to be established is through these insults and things. Yeah, I, this, one is, is, um, this one is like the most heavenly Right, it, it's first saying, and it just ask you, hey, Father Lewis, do you want to have a great reward in heaven, huh? Yeah. Do you want to be able to rejoice and be glad? I'm in. Uh, uh, you ever, let's go. Okay, get ready. You're going to be reviled, what? Persecuted, what? And you're going to have all kinds of utterances of all kinds of evil against you, falsely, not even truly, but falsely. They're going to make stuff up that is evil coming against you. And it's going to lead to your persecution and revilement by people all because of Jesus. Because you know what? He loves you enough so that you will be able to rejoice and be glad and you'll have a great reward in heaven. Ready to sign up? Uh, Yeah. um, Well, I hope so. Well, isn't (laughs) that striking though? I mean, it's just so mysterious. Yeah. So it's the cost of discipleship. It does give one pause. If you're in, this is what you're going to face. But if you're in, it's going to be worth it. Yeah. All right, Father uh, Father Nagel, you have 30 seconds to share your nugget about blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I didn't have a nugget. You didn't? <laughs> that was all made up. It was proleptic? It was I wasn't proleptic blessed. Nugget. I it's was just sort of... inside of you? I was tepid. Yeah. Tepid are the sort of peacemakers. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you both, fathers, for walking with us today through the Beatitudes. It was a great program. I really enjoyed that. All right, God bless you all. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.